Welcome to Dead House. I'm Dylan. And I'm an amorphous blob. Is that the right word? Amorphous? I don't know. I don't, I don't <laughs> Anamorphous? I don't know. Anyway. Enormous? I ate so much homemade burger, I am now the blob. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, That was very tasty. I'm so full. I could not have another bite. <laughs> Alex made us some, uh, what was it? Pork and beef mince? Yeah, pork, pork and burgers? beef mince burgers homemade because we didn't want to have to pay like $15 per burger at, at Grilled. Yeah. So this was like 15 bucks for six burgers. Indeed it was. Made them ourselves. Very yes. tasty. And uh, we're coming at you after going to Lifeline Bookfest in the city today. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know what that is, why don't you tell the, tell the lovely listeners? It is a convention centre full of trestle tables of second-hand <laughs> books. <laughs> tables and tables and tables. There's thousands yeah. of the fucking things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we only really went through, what, the fiction? Weren't too fast on reference books or cooking or yeah, magazines or, or CDs? Children's. <laughs> children's books. We do keep an eye out for Goosebumps. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're unsuccessful. I did, however, see uh, a book called The Snowman by R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. Looked kind of cool, but I put it back. <laughs> yes. I've got a bit of horror news to share with you. Okay. You may have read this in the week that was. I'm not sure. But I'll fill you in I regardless. I don't read. I'll fill our listeners in regardless. So, I don't know if you've seen, but David Gordon Green has abandoned yep. the remainder of the Exorcist trilogy. I mean... Are we surprised? <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know. I thought he would have stuck to his guns till the end because, I mean, the Halloween trilogy was a steady decline. But, yeah, but uh, that started strong. Like, true, true. Pe- people love the, the the Halloween movie for, what was it, 2021? What, 2018? 2019? Yeah. One of the years. They loved it. And, like, it started strong and then progressively got worse. Mm. The, whereas this just started really poorly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. Apparently, they're still locked in for the two sequels, but they are looking for another director. But I mean, oh, that's, even, get, that's even worse. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't get fired. He stepped down, which okay. I think is the gracious thing to do. Sure. Uh, and also. There is going to be a 28 Days Later sequel called is 28 it? Years yeah, Later. Yeah, of course. Okay. You've read that? Well, I just assumed because 28 days, 28 weeks, and then it's probably yeah. about 28 years since they made the movie, right? So with this... Uh, Actually, no, because they made it in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. they're, they're bringing Danny Boyle and Alice Garland back for it, which no, is good to okay. know. And uh, the, the only thing that I'm not too keen for is this is also going to be a potential trilogy. That's just the horror trend. Why is that, yeah, the new thing? Like, let's bring something back and then instantly make it into a trilogy. Why not just I don't know, man. bring it back, make it into a good movie? I don't know. I think it might be because the way that the streaming model is going is that people are consuming their content in TV show form. Yeah. They like investing in characters and stories that go over multiple episodes, but they don't want to sit through an entire film. So I guess if you... Best of both worlds, you so do then, things in trilogies. Yeah, well then, so then they should abandon the movies and just start making horror TV shows. Yeah. Like they did with like Child's Play, you know? Yeah, Child's Play, House of Usher, anything, Mike Flanagan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I don't know who they'd pick up for the Exorcist trilogy. I'm, I'm not sure who'd be a good sort of emerging horror director that's, that's often got a nod to the classics. Yeah, I don't really know. 28 years later, I am keen for I think that'd be fun. Sure. I still, I, I still haven't even seen 28 Weeks Later. Oh, okay. I believe Killian uh, Murphy is, is keen to be back in it as well. He's not okay. signed on officially, but uh, he's expressed his interest. Interesting. Because so, yeah. I assume his price tag would be much higher now that he's won like gold, oh, yeah. Golden Globes and stuff for Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Fame. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that is your horror news. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got another horror news. I, I, I think I read or heard that uh, the director that was slated to make... Scream 7 mm. has also pulled out now. Ah, okay. So yeah. they're losing absolutely everyone. Because I think the mm. director, I can't remember his name, but he was the bloke that did 
Happy Death Day or oh, Happy okay. Death Day to You. Yeah. And something else similar that was like kind of a horror comedy. Mm. But he's pulled out. I can't mm, remember okay. if it was because of uh, creative differences or scheduling conflicts or mm. what have you. Yeah. But, so fair. they've lost the main actors, uh, the, <laughs> the, wow. fucking, the director. Everyone pertinent to the film existing. Yes. That they, is unfortunate. They may as well just completely scrap it now and not I mean, even start fresh. Just let it die. We did mention in our Scream episode that the reason that legacy works so well is because Ghostface is not a particular person, but you do need, like, a final girl. Yeah, like the original or, ones... you know, surviving character. The original ones worked because it was a new situation and character every time, but it was mm. always linked to, to, like, the same core characters. Yeah. But, like, you don't care about the core characters, you know, if yep. they don't exist. Yeah. Well, getting into today's film, you did a very smooth uh, intro that I liked there. <laughs> we are talking about The Blob, as funny as that sounds, yep. the 1988 remake. And I think apart from the It films, this is the first one we've covered on the pod that has purely been a remake. We're not going back to the original. Uh, I've not seen the original, the 1958 mm-hmm. film. Uh, Steve, with Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. Yep. Yeah. But uh, we watched this collectively for the first time with Alex and uh, my dad last night yep. at my place. What did you think? Because we've been tight-lipped since uh, <laughs> since uh, that exchange. Uh, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would, even mm. though I like I know it's cited as like a classic, obviously. Mm. And it was well, a classic like B-grade sort of monster yeah. horror movie, um, but still a classic nonetheless. Mm. And so I kind of went in with middled expectations. Mm. I wasn't expecting for my mind to be blown and it to become my favourite movie ever. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting it to be like as solid as it ended up being. I think our neighbours just started whippersnipping at your fence. Oh no. Uh, yeah, so the 1958 original by Irvin Yeaworth, I have seen snippets of this. <laughs> Good lord, are they just outside your door? <laughs> Fuck me. Whippersnipping my yard. Um, I've not seen the original. I've seen bits of it. Uh, it's very much your typical like 50s B-movie, like, sci-fi horror, mm-hmm. uh, where you've got, like, these shitty creature design in a city and people fleeing with this dramatic music. But uh, this one is, or was written and directed by Chuck Russell, responsible for Nightmare 3, one of the films in your top five. Hell yeah. Uh, and also the man behind The Mask and The Scorpion King. <laughs> so That's very, right. Very diverse filmography there and also co-written by frank darabont who also uh helped out with nightmare 3 um did he really as well as other things such as shawshank redemption the green mile on the mist but funny thing is uh russell and darabont were going to make the blob first and uh they went to new line cinema and they decided nightmare 3 would be a better sort of uh what's the word i'm looking for like diving board uh, for the two. Like, like spring, spring springboard. Yeah, yeah, for the two. And uh, it was a hit. Mm-hmm. And then they got the okay for the blob after that. I mean, that makes sense. Horror, I feel like, is kind of often used as like a launching platform for people. Mm. And so if you've got an already existing like horror icon and franchise, yeah. you've got these two, like not, yeah, two directors or screenplay writers that you want to try and mm. launch off. What, what better way to marry the two together? Yeah, yeah. So I think this might have been Chuck Russell's debut feature. Oh, there you go. And what a debut. I loved it. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's it sounds like such a dumb movie to try and remake because it's such a wacky <laughs> concept and the fact that there's this big gelatinous mass killing these people in a small town like it's it's dumb it's dumb fun it's one of those watches where you just want to see some crazy kills yeah and that's all it needed to be i mean and no i i like it because i think i might have this is going against stuff that I've said in the past where I like the killer to have some sort of a motive. Mm. But I like that it's just, it's a blob that doesn't think, doesn't feel. It's just a blob of cells that kills people yeah. because that's just what it does. Yeah. And it's very much a body horror. Uh, uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be such a body horror. Yeah, I'd seen snippets of it before and it was more graphic than I thought it would be. <laughs> and I love that. This film stars Shawnee Smith. Of Saw. Of Saw fame. Very or, young in this. Or Becca. Becca or Becca, fame. yep. And apparently she was in the film adaptation of The Stand as well. Okay. Which I've not seen. Stephen King. There you go. Keeping it in the horror vein. Uh, Kevin Dillon, who was in Platoon. Mm-hmm. And The Doors film. Uh, Donovan Litch Jr. And Jeffrey DeMunn, who was in The Green Mile and The Mist. Anything that Frank Darabont does, it seems. Yeah, Walking Dead. Because yeah. you pointed that out. We were watching him <laughs> as the sheriff. Don't, is that fucking Dale? Yeah, because he has hair. For yeah. starters, I've only ever seen him bald. So young. And But I don't know, even just like... Like, I knew Shawnee Smith was in this. Mm. But the first shot of her, I didn't even recognise that it was her. And I was like, wait a minute. No, that is Shawnee Smith. She just looks hella young. Yeah, which is weird. Because if this was 88 and Saw was, what, 2003, 2004, like... She looked like she was probably in her 20s in Saw, but she must have been like late 30s or mid-30s. Yeah, yeah I guess so. I mean, what, let me look it up real quick. What year? How old is Shawnee Smith? Yeah, because when we saw saw X last year uh, with Dave, like you could see the crow's feet in the corner of her <laughs> eyes and that was meant to be like between one and two or two and three. So that was a bit far-fetched, but yeah, I don't know. I can't do basic math here, but she was born in 1969. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she was 19 when this came out. Wow. So, which I mean, makes sense. Okay. Actually, actually is the age of the character. Yeah, she did look about 20s. That makes sense. And uh, fun fact, apparently, Shawnee Smith and Donovan Leach Jr., who played the boyfriend that gets killed, um, went to high school together and attended their school prom together. Oh, cute. And then they just became a couple in this movie years later. Uh, that's kind of funny. So, the Blob remake was made on a budget of between 10 and 19 million. I couldn't find an exact figure. Yeah, okay. That's a lot a big, of it was estimated. Big difference there. Yeah. Uh, and made 8.2 million. Oh, so that's a, that's a failure. It was a flop. That is yes. bad. Yeah. And even uh, my dad this morning, because uh, he watched part of it last night at our place, he's like, so that movie last night? That was fucking bad. <laughs> And I was like, what? Oh, no. I was like, the effects look better than do half we, the shit today. Do we have terrible taste in movies? Uh, the look, answer is yes. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, but yeah, if you look at it as being 10 million as opposed to the 19, apparently 9 million of it went purely to visual effects. Uh, and I believe it. If, does that include practical effects? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that's fine then. Because yeah. the, the, the CGI, if you can call it oh. that, in this movie the is, is kind of dreadful. Yeah, uh, that I, was I th- bad. I, I think you've got how... Like info on how they actually did the the blob effects, which I don't know anything about. Mm, but a little bit. Some of them looked, yeah, not good. Mm, mm. I mean, to be fair though, something you might expect around that time period. So I'm, yeah, I'm maybe a bit harsh in saying that for a fucking forty something year old movie or thirty something year old movie. After all, this is eighties, and you've got like this thirty foot 
blob. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's a struggle yes. uh, in its own right, let alone only having 10 million, give or take. Uh, apparently, the makeup effects were done by Tony Gardner, who was on set of Return of the Living Dead, Army of Darkness, a bunch of the Child's Play sequels, and Zombieland. Oh, okay. The makeup in Zombieland, I thought, was spectacular. Yep, yep, I'd agree with that. And uh, the creature effects of the blob were done chiefly by Lyle Conway, and he was the man responsible for the plant in Little Shop of Horrors, which I've not seen, but when you you see a clip of that and then you look at the blob, particularly in the movie theatre, you can see parallels. Uh, And the first Blade film, which is kind of cool. Now, for the blob mass, they used a, a chemical called methicel, which okay, is never heard of it. a thickening agent used in milkshakes. Hopefully not anymore. <laughs> uh, apparently it's uh, extremely uh, like elastic and extremely slippery. And they essentially created like a wet mattress for the blob. And that's how they could like throw it around set and move it and have it be like robust enough that they could like carry it and, and uh, use it multiple times for shooting, but not okay. just have it, you know, disappear like slime so that is how they made it move in the movie they just threw it <laughs> yeah i guess so because there's scenes you see it go in like a storm drain it just kind of like oozes into like the grate yeah so i yeah. guess that's uh that's what they did i don't know because i i don't know I, w- I was kind of thinking afterwards uh, if they could use like some of ferro you know when they put like s- they get slime and they put mm. like magnetic material in it and they have like magnetic slime. Oh, okay. I don't know if that existed back in that day or if mm. it's like a more recent uh, invention technology. Yeah. Because I reckon cool. they could make a movie like like the blob type thing with that like ferromagnetic slime. Mm. And that'd be all right. That'd be interesting. So that's, that's kind of for a second how I thought maybe they might have done it. Kinetic sand. It's Kinetic like a movie sand. called Quicksand and it's just people getting suffocated by that shit. Uh, apparently, Russell and Darabont wanted the creature to be like an inside out stomach. And that's why it kind of burns things before eating them. It's like got this acidic mass, mm-hmm. uh, which I think I thought was particularly cool uh, just before Paul gets killed. And you can see like the drips on the desk, mm-hmm. like uh, dissolving like the face hugger blood. Yeah, yeah, definitely had like alien vibes there. Mm, that was quite cool. And uh, they also originally wanted it to be green for Ooh. something different and more of like an alien look. But they kept it that pink red color. Uh, as as a faithful homage to the original because... Was the original in colour or, or black and white? It was in colour. Okay. Uh, because they had the theory that you see it begin as being a transparent substance mm-hmm. and as it consumes its victims, it absorbs the blood. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So that's why when you first see the homeless guy poke it with a stick, it's clear. Yeah, it's like clear. And then by the end, it's like blood red. I like Literally. that detail, but I also would have hated it if it's green. I feel yeah, like that would have been less believable. Yeah, it might be just because I've been conditioned and I've seen like a picture of the blob or like I know mm. what it looks like essentially. Mm. But I just, I just would have been thinking of like the Nickelodeon slime the entire time. Flubber. <laughs> Flubber. <laughs> yeah, I just would have been thinking of that. Killer Flubber. I think on that note, it's also cool that you can see like the purple veins mm. like through it as well. It's yeah, gross. Uh, and yeah, like we said before, that stop motion in the city when you got like tentacles squashing people just looked really bad. Uh, but there are moments where it's like sort of lumbering through uh, the town or when it's like grabbing people's body parts. I thought it looked pretty sick for the time. Yeah, I think as well as my overall opinion of the movie, I think the effects 
are a lot better in the first half mm. when it is like oh for sure maybe just a ma- maybe it's because it's a manageable size they don't have to try and upscale it and totally film it at a certain size and then superimpose it on the camera or something yeah or sort of green screen i will say though like the first time like in the final act it comes out of the manhole and like squashes that dude that looks pretty practical i don't know how they did that but that didn't look like stop motional cgi i can't exactly recall that exact moment Mm. It just looked like it was a glistening mass and like this bubbled tentacle as opposed to that shitty yeah <laughs> stop motion thing. But um, interestingly too, like when we we're watching this, I was like, oh, this is now Ghostbusters 2. Turns out there was a scene cut of the blob crawling towards the town and they used that in Ghostbusters 2. Really? Because you had that like pink slime Yeah, you got sewers. like the slime under the sewers. Yeah. Interesting. Yep, the, There's the, the na- neighbor's back. <laughs> So that was kind of cool. Um, now, this film, we have this belief on the pod where if you've got a wacky concept, you need to have comic relief throughout because you're not going to enjoy it if the film takes itself too seriously with something like this. So sure. I quite enjoyed a lot of the humor throughout this film. I don't think there was that much humor in this film, though. I think it, for the most part, it does actually take itself seriously, but mm. I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah. I think it it looked convincing enough that the moments that were meant to be horrifying mm-hmm. were, particularly with the level of body horror in oh, it. Oh, yes. But, like, for example, when the guy is, like, making oh, yeah, cocktails okay. in the boot of his car yeah. with a little hand mixer. And he's that got, like, is... Okay. I've now forgotten about, yeah, all the comedy <laughs> moments, but they're flooding back to me. That was hilarious. That was great. Opens up the boot of his car and he's got a full bar set up. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, it's to, like... Essentially, roofy women. Oh yeah, it's that's it's a, it, an uncomfortable scene. Yeah, glossing over that bit, and then mm. there's like the the comedy scene of like the when he's getting the condoms in the chemist, <laughs> and then you find out it's the fucking dude's daughter. That was so good, and I uh, love yeah when the pharmacist turns out to be the uh, what is it Meg's dad, and then gets introduced to the guy, pulls the newspaper down, he's just like ribbed. Yeah, <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, and we sort of touched on it before with that alien reference. Uh, I picked up a lot of homage to classic horrors in this film. Like, there was that, for example, um, like the acid blood. There was even the scene where the dude, like, sticks his head in an air vent. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of Alien. Yep. Um, at that theater, they're literally watching, like, a parody of Friday 13th. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hockey season. <laughs> that was so cool. Oh, yeah, that was pretty funny as well. Um, like thing esque moments, particularly with I guess the practical effects of the blob and how it like consumes people. Yeah, I think there was a movie poster that looked similar to the thing in yeah, the movie as well. I noticed that. Um, even like Nightmare on Elm Street, which I thought was cool, coming from Chuck Russell, where like you had the instead of the blood guys out of the mattress, it was like yeah. that blob shit coming out of the drain. Um, and also I thought when you see the sheriff's head in the phone booth, that was like the head in jaws, maybe. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, I, I guess I could see that. My biggest takeaway that was like sort of an homage to a previous like horror movie was like the fact that they set up a couple of characters to be the main ones and mm. then they kill them off so fucking quickly. Yeah, I that was, was fascinating. I was so like, so obviously full spoilers when in when you come into this fucking podcast. Mm. But when like you see the yeah like the sheriff that has been killed off screen, off screen, <laughs> and he all of a sudden he shows up dissolving in the slime. I was literally like. Is that meant to be the sheriff? Is he dead? Did yeah. he get killed off screen? Yeah. What and the hell? It took me a second as well. You can be you can be forgiven for thinking that because it's not until you see like the star badge mm. like on his shirt. It's like, oh shit, that was fucking Dale from The Walking Dead. Yeah. He's now a deformed head in this slime. So that took me by surprise. And they then did even, an Alien 3. Even like the, the teenage boy that they set up to be sort of this main character. And I think they intentionally did that 
Um, oh, Brian, like the biker guy? No, the opposite. The the boy the the boyfriend essentially who dies. Oh, oh Paul, yeah, Paul, yeah. Because yeah. I I think I read a little bit about the original and like they sort of wanted to play on people's expectations who had seen the original. Mm. So like go in and he's the type of character from the original who survives till the end and beats it. Mm. So they kind of set him up to be that and then just kill him almost immediately. And then mm. you have this other character that becomes the main one. Yeah, that was interesting. I was watching an interview with Chuck Russell and he apparently drew inspiration from Hitchcock films for that. Of yeah. like misleading the, the audience's perception of like the protagonist. And I yeah. think that is particularly well done in this film because it gives like the bad boy like a nice character arc where he yeah. starts off being this sort of standoffish dislikable character and then ends up caring for Meg and becomes the hero yeah. in the end. I also like that they throw in like these small subtle moments where they kind of give a reason for him to be such an asshole. Mm. I think it was a scene where she's like Dad wasn't around and Well, I think it's a scene where she says like care about yourself that's all you're good for and he's like well no one else is signing up for the job. Yeah, that's like was it's nice. such a small line that like has so much meaning behind it and mm. they don't try to it's not like they're trying to shoehorn it in like, I'm an asshole because my parents are deadbeats and they left mm. me and nobody cares for me. It's like just a small line to give enough detail that Even, you can you know, put it together in your own head. I agree. Even when he is released from the cop station after questioning because they can't arrest him and Meg turns up to like bail him out. Yeah. And he's like, what do you want to talk about? I'm tired and hungry. And <laughs> it's like, man, I actually kind of feel for this guy. Yeah, he's like got this, nowhere to go. This he's guy broke. just has a bit of a shit, shit life and is just doing the best he can. Yeah. And it's, I mean... It is sort of hinted that he has done, like, illegal stuff in the past. He's known to the cops. There's tension between him and the sheriff, and the sheriff even says, like, you're 18, so, you know, it's a big boy time. If you fuck up, you're on a jail, not juvie. Mm. So it's assumed he's done some questionable criminal things in the past, but I'm sure it's nothing. He hasn't murdered anyone, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's not out there roofing someone, trying to to plow them drunk with... Yeah. Did he say what the name of the drink was? I can't remember. Uh, no. I do, I do think it's funny that he was making like a red drink. Yeah. Like, kind of like the blob. That was good. And also it was a bit weird like when you first introduced to that character, Brian, I think his name was, he's like gearing up to jump this bridge on mm-hmm. his dirt bike and it's just, I don't know, he like backs up, gets a good run up, fucks it up and then homeless guy like claps and picks up his beer can and moves on. Yeah. Like was that kind of uh, implying... He wants to be a bad boy, but there is a softer side to him that is cautious and careful. No, because it's not like he fucked up the jump on purpose. His bike played up. Mm. So, mm. I don't know. Uh, apparently, the hobo uh, that discovers the blob is uh, faithful to the original script as well. I don't think he's a hobo because he has a house. Oh, okay. Like, I don't remember I'm him sure. having a house. Well, that's where he's crushing the cans. In the background, I'm pretty sure it's either a caravan or a house or something. Oh, like a trailer park looking thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. But he has somewhere to live. He's not living on the street. He's got a roof over his head. He's just... You ever see those people in real life that are just like out on their morning walk at 5am, mm. digging through freaks. trash cans to get the cans and bottles? Oh, yeah. <laughs> freaks old. No, I, I didn't know you were going to say pick up rubbish. Now I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Thank no. you very much for your service <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think it's to get uh, like the 10 cent refund stuff. Mm. Like, I used to have it all the time when I worked at a certain fast food joint doing like yeah. the overnights. Like, every day, like 4 a.m., mm. look out and oh, yep, there's old lady, whatever the fuck, <laughs> digging, the digging through our trash. Yeah. I actually was driving to work the other day and I saw a man on the side of like a main road with a bag and one of those like pincer things picking up cans. And I was like, respect to you, sir. Thank <laughs> was you. Was he wearing an orange jumpsuit? No, no, it's, <laughs> it's just like a, an old dude on his walk. I think he even had a dog with him. Like he's walking his dog and picking up rubbish at the same time. Like what a, what a good Samaritan. This is a, a story that I remember from primary school that may, might point me in a bad light. 
Okay. But I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't a good kid either. I was very neutral. But I had this friend that was kind of a good kid. Lawful neutral. Yeah. And he was, I think this was like grade one or two. He roped me into like spending a lunchtime picking up rubbish. Because mm. he's like, yeah, man, like we'll go pick up rubbish. Like we get these, like, like you said, those claw pincer things. Like, mm. Yeah, we get to use those. It'd be so fun. I was like, fuck, that sounds cool. And then we get to the office and they're like, oh, no, we don't have any of those pincer things. But here's a bag. You can go pick up rubbish. Here's some gloves. <laughs> yeah. And so I just got roped into just walking around a garden, picking up rubbish for a lunch break. I'm like, this is shit. Did you say that was the school? No, it was my friend. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like he went to the office. Oh, like yeah, the no. School. Yeah, he went to the office at the school to oh, like okay. ask for the pickup things. And like, oh, no, someone's using it. Yeah. Here's a plastic bag. Go use your hands. <laughs> so, That's but funny. hey. Oh, dear Lord. Anyway, we're off track. Let's we're get, off track. Let's get back to the blob. Uh, looping back, I guess, to Brian and his bike and all that kind of stuff. Something I thought was really cool about this film, particularly for the small budget it had, was all the stunt work. It was quite impressive. Yeah. Uh, you had like the, the collapsed bridge there. You had explosions. There was a dude on fire at yeah. one point. Like it was... I like all the all the like motorbike stunts in the sewer where he like has to turn mm. around and so half drives up one... Yeah, it's because it's a round wall pipe, whatever. Yeah. Halfs up the wall and comes back down and then like goes up and over and around the blob. Mm, mm. Yeah, that was really cool. And uh, apparently the sewer shots were built on a set um, where they kind of flooded the stage with like three feet of water. And uh, they just had, I think, the crew and the, the actors in waiters. And uh, in the same interview I mentioned before, Chuck Russell was saying that everyone lost weight in the three <laughs> days of shooting those sewer scenes because it was just so exhausting to like walk through the water Jesus. for like an entire shoot in three days in a row. I mean, it's better than walking through an actual sewer for the movie. Yeah, so I guess if you want to get fit quickly, do laps walking in a <laughs> swimming pool. <laughs> well, that's like, oh, I don't know. Like when you have a really fat dog or cat, they, <laughs> they try to get them to walk. They just like submerge them pretty much in water on a treadmill. Oh, that sounds th- awful. Well, I think it also might be because it's like easier on the joints because they're half floating, mm. but it's still like resistance when they're walking. Anyway, uh, the plot. Pretty much, it's this sentient space goo crash lands from outer space, terrorizes this small town. That was beautiful. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's really interesting how it seems to be like an alien spacecraft at the start. Yep. It's like this meteorite that comes through the woods that the homeless guy sees. But then it is revealed later on, it's like this government experiment gone wrong. And then these people come in to try and like contain it and turns out they're corrupt and you know, it everything comes me, out in the wash. It makes me think, uh, and I might be talking my ass, but in the original, is it just an alien, like just a, a comet or a meteorite that crashes and then the blobs comes from it? Cause that's, I don't remember. That, that's, to me, that sounds very 50s. Is like, mm. yeah, like a, distrust a the space government. from another world, but then the 80s has the distrust from the government. Yeah, fair. And so they change it. Yeah, maybe. I, sh- I should have looked that up, actually, before I mentioned that. But <laughs> um, Yeah, I can see like in the 50s, it was all just aliens and, and things. Uh, so it makes sense that they would uh, want to make it relevant. Yeah, update it for the times later. What, what people become afraid of. Like, yeah. what would it be these days? Yeah. Uh, it yeah. probably st- still distrusts yeah, the government. Yeah, I was going to say, distrust the government still pretty relevant, probably less so aliens. Uh, but yeah, so uh, it's... I just thought that was interesting because I remember when we sat down to watch it, like put the disc in, and I was like, I don't even know how the blob came to be. Like, what is it? <laughs> well, I, I knew it came, like it crash landed essentially. Mm. But yeah, I thought it was from a meteorite. Legit an alien. Was a legit just alien. And that's what's particularly interesting too is because they reveal that you can defeat it with cold. Like, it needs a, a warm environment Pretty to Pretty obvious thrive. for me. 
Yeah, and I guess in uh, at first I was perplexed because space is cold, but then it turns out it was like it oozed out of this cracked rock. Well, yep. well ended up being this like satellite. satellite, yeah, that the US sent up as a fucking bio warfare experiment that yeah. mutated. Uh, and anyway, because it was like encrusted with this shit and got super hot upon re-entry, I guess that's why it survived. So I thought that was neatly tied tied in. Yeah. Didn't have any plot holes. Uh, and what's really cool about the start of this film is the opening sequence is just all these exterior shots of the town looking deserted. And it's revealed <laughs> uh, uh, in one shot, which is quite nice, that the reason it looks abandoned is because everyone's at the football game. Yeah, I thought that was a nice misdirect. Like yeah. opening up the movie strong. Because I was even going to make a comment that like it opens... With all these just, I don't know, like still shots of different parts of the town. Mm. And like it could just be a documentary footage because it's like, oh, yep, just a shot of this building, a shot of that statue. Mm. But the music behind it is what like it makes it feel creepy and like ominous. And so it makes you think that there's something going on and something's Mm. gone wrong. Yeah. But then the reveal is, yeah, baseball game. It was nice. Sorry, football. Yeah, football. It was nicely done, uh, particularly because that's kind of like what the end result would have been like after the blob terrorize the main town like everyone would have been locked inside or fled and i really like it's just this movement like up to the bleachers and then it's this loud cheering and everything it was beautiful and that also reminded me a lot of the opening to a quiet place part two is uh it begins with shots of the town being empty and turns out everyone's at this baseball game oh yeah which is maybe maybe they stole that from the blob i wouldn't be surprised because it's at that game they do see the things coming from the sky so yeah nice march uh, but yeah, so, and then, yeah, we mentioned the the homeless dude sees the meteorite and he pokes it with a stick and it kind of jumps out at him and latches onto his hand and then it cuts away, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, it comes to a shot of him, I think, bumping into to Brian and the dude just grabs an axe and tries to cut his hand off. It's like Walking Dead style after being yeah. bitten on the ankle or something. It was gnarly, man. That was I, very I do, abrupt. I do like it. I do like the effects. The only thing I don't like is... I'm not going to say poor acting from the homeless man, mm. but uh, I mean, if he's cutting his arm off, but he's not making a single noise. He's not screaming at all in the entire scene. Yeah, he's okay. He just silently just cuts his arm his and then runs away into the woods, like what you say, like shuffles away like E.T. <laughs> well, at first it reminded me of the thing, like just disappearing into the snow. But yeah, it, it quickly looked like E.T. because you had like these lights in these like pine trees with these dudes in hazmat suits appearing. It was, yeah, very reminiscent. In fact, would E.T. have been before this? This was 88. I don't know what year E.T. came out. I would assume so. I think it was early 80s. Yeah. Yeah, it must have been. And, uh, yeah, because Brian and the homeless dude like stumble onto the road in front of fucking Megan Paul in the car. (laughs) And it very much looks like, (laughs) I know he did last summer. Yeah. And then later, Brian has a fucking ice pick as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I thought this was really interesting because um, Brian goes to like mosey on back to his bike when uh, the other two take the homeless dude in the car to go to the hospital, and he's like, "No, no, no, where do you think you're going? Like, you've got some explaining to do." And he makes him get in the car because I would, I was, I was thinking this as we we're watching it. Like, if he just gets in the car, like he wants to take the homeless dude to hospital, there's no motive there. Like, he's like, "Oh, these people are taking care of him. That's fine. Like, it's not in his nature at this point in the film." To want to look out for people. Yeah, so I'm sure. glad that they had the dialogue in there and that kind of tension between him and Paul. Give him a bloody reason to do it. Yeah. I know it seems like a really insignificant moment, but I just thought that was a really... This is a very tidy film. For such a wacky concept, I feel like there's no plot holes. Yeah. The only thing that I 
thought was a plot hole and then was proven wrong, which is a credit to the movie and mm. makes me feel stupid, is uh, like when they go back to the site and there's the government people there, you mm. know, like the suits and shit. I was like, all right, am I supposed to believe that the government caught onto this immediately? Mm. Why were they tracking the thing or when it, when it crashed? How they get here so quickly? And then, yeah, it turns around and explains that no, it's their fault. They yeah. were literally tracking it. It fell and now they're here to contain it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. fuck, it's good. Yeah, it was it was very nicely done. Uh, they do eventually take the homeless dude to the hospital and you get this really cool shock value where he looks at a guy and his face is all like contorted and moving. Like mm-hmm. it, it looks like a, a shot from the stuff <laughs> yeah. or something like that. And they throw the sheet back and his bottom half is just eaten away and yep. dissolved into the bed, which was very nice. Uh, and then you get that scene where the bits of the blob like dripping onto the desk that Paul's at. He looks up and it's just this like um, low angle shot and he just fucking drops on him like a sheet. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. And what happens next is possibly my favorite part of the movie. 100%. And it's, it's a shot of Paul like screaming and reaching out for Meg, but... He's got like this thin, like viscous kind of stuff over his face that just like it doesn't peel his face off, it just like stretches his head, doesn't it? And his jaw like comes away and yeah, I mean he pops he's, his eyeballs. He's being dissolved. Yeah, he's being digested by the blob. Yeah, it's like it's it's like suffocating and burning him at the same time. Yeah, and she goes to grab his free hand and it just like rips his arm off and it's gnarly, man. Is there a worse way to die? It's feel, like, I feel it's like suffocation, that, burning, and dismemberment all in one. Yeah, I feel like that might be the worst way to die in any horror movie. Yeah, gnarly. And uh, that was another instance, like you said, of the, the false lead being killed off early, uh, which is very nice to see, something different. I think my next favorite kill in this is when Paul's friend uh, is in the car making the cocktails with the chicken. He's like trying to drug her to make out with her. Is that and, Paul's friend? Well, weren't they in the pharmacy together? I'm not sure. Because I, I thought it was, but then he was wearing a uniform that said Fred. Oh, okay. Whereas his friend is a high school student. I don't know. So I'm not... I might be wrong on that one. Maybe it was a day off. Yeah, look, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, and uh, yeah, he's like making the drinks, comes back and it looks like the chick's fallen asleep. So he like unbuttons her blouse and reaches in to fill her up. And then, I don't know, man, it, like these clear tentacle things like wrap around his hand, her face like gets pulled inward yeah like crumpled inward it's pretty cool and then like these clear tentacles burst out of every orifice and just consume him it's gnarly that was sick it looked kind of bad like the face crumpling in but i loved it i don't think it looked bad i think it uh like it didn't look exactly real Mm. but it looked good yeah yeah. it's a it's a weird distinction like Mm. if it doesn't look real then it should look bad but it totally it looks like, like a mannequin of a middle-aged woman, <laughs> but I loved it. Another cool death was the cook in the diner kitchen, mm-hmm. and I really liked the suspense in that scene. That's probably the most suspense in a death in this film, I think. Yeah. Maybe apart from the, the air vent. Yeah, and, they, they um, play with the, the old kitchen sink yeah. trope, I guess. And why I like that so much is because the sink is like flooded so they try plunging it doesn't work so he reaches his arm in and you're like oh, okay something's gonna fucking grab him but it doesn't yeah he pulls his arm out and he's just got a bit of the stuff on his fingers mm-hmm. and then it grabs him and pulls him in like a fucking meat grinder yes i thought that was cool because it would have been so easy to just have something grab onto his hand and it's a shot of him freaking out and then it pulls him in and he or he you know leans back and his arm is bitten off or something so i just yeah props for the suspense in oh that yeah scene. and it was a 
it was I was laughing during that scene, mm. but in a good way because it is a gruesome death. And it's, it just <laughs> it's just a guy upside down, legs hanging out of a sink. Get, it's yeah. almost like he's got stuck in a blender or something. Also, the fact that it like sucks his head <laughs> into a drain hole, which no way that would fit. And you've got this like claymation, like the original It film or something, mm-hmm. to get him down there. That was kind of comical. Uh, but it does uh, plant the seed that the blob moves through the sewers. Yeah. And that's how it's sort of getting from place to place without detection above ground, which is kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, that phone booth scene, that's uh, probably uh, the most famous death, I think, in this. Uh, that's a, a snippet I had seen before watching oh, this. okay, right. And uh, that was done with, like, a miniature set of the phone booth. And the chick inside it, because it's a really nice, like, aerial shot. Mm-hmm. Which like is really down. cool. Yeah, and it was just a doll. Uh, oh, okay. a, a little doll in this miniature phone booth, and they just like injected it with uh, goo, or they like blew it in very quickly. So it literally just blew the thing up. Hell yeah. And yeah, on when you watch it on repeat, you can totally see it's a doll just getting blown apart. But it <laughs> looks so effective because it happens so quickly yeah. in the final cut. We mentioned at the start of this that the blob itself gets defeated by cold, and or, or, or it can't survive in a cold environment. But interestingly, you learn that it becomes these like purple crystals. It crystallizes mm-hmm. when it's cold, but then when warmed up again, becomes this blob-like substance. Yep. And you find this out because the priest, for whatever reason, picks up these purple crystals in the diner's freezer and puts them in a mason jar. Without a doubt, my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Is is the priest? Yeah. yeah. They like they kind of set him up uh, in the first act when they're introducing the characters. Mm. Uh, but he seems like a semi-normal priest, mm. obviously very creepy. Mm. Um, and then out of nowhere, he just is a guy that's, I don't know, picking up random crystals for no reason in a diner. Decides to go to the diner after they're closed. Yeah. And then you see... what, what What's he doing the next time you see him? When he gets the light lit on fire. Uh, I think he's just preaching that it's the end times, right? Yeah, because like, in the end he talks about like the reckoning that's coming and... Yeah, he essentially turns shot. into like a crazy, not not it's like a faith healer type setup. Like he's mm. got the tent and everything. And he's preaching, yeah, but he's just preaching about the end times and reckoning is coming. And then they set him up that he's got a piece of the blob and he's waiting for God to tell him when to unleash it on the world. Yeah, yeah, Weird. I hate it. I hate it. He's like growing it and convincing his congregation that the reckoning is coming yeah. and he's going to be the one to. To do God's work But what I kind of like about this Yeah, I agree I didn't particularly like that finish But I do like that It was a science experiment And it's the religious guy That ends up using it Instead of the government in the end Okay It's like a funny kind of blend of worlds and ideologies mm-hmm. But yeah, it did seem a bit out of place How it's just conveniently rocking up Unless he heard the commotion, I guess, at the diner Like before the cops <laughs> I don't know Yeah, look, I don't know I don't know It. Yeah we were talking about plot holes before. Maybe that's the only one. <laughs> I think this movie could have been exactly the same without him in it. Yeah. Uh, and Except we wouldn't be making fun of this bit. So yeah. I think it should have been cut. Fun fact, though. I can't remember the actor's name, but I'm pretty sure he was the homeless dude in the original. <laughs> Interesting. And, and they right. recast him. Or like a sequel of the original or something like that. And they right. recast him. Uh, also, I think um, Chuck Russell might have been... Uh, an audience member in the theatre scene. Okay, I think I yeah, read that. Just a d- director's cameo. Yeah, big fan of those. Shyamalan does that a lot. <laughs> yeah, but it, when Shyamalan does it, it's like hard to miss because he puts mm. himself centre frame as a character. Yeah, it's not like Hitchcock in Psycho where he's like waiting outside the yeah. bank or something. 
That was beautiful. No, he makes himself the the guy that killed the main character's wife in a car accident. Yeah. And I guess speaking of the theater scene uh, where they're playing the awful but like deliberately tongue-in-cheek uh, Friday 13th parody, uh, you have like the blob comes through the air vent to get the guy and you don't see him die. You just see it rush at him and it cuts. But then a dude who was talking through the intercom dude like comes into the room and he can hear like moaning or whatever, looks up mm-hmm. and he's like, Fused to this blob in the ceiling mm-hmm. That was cool I do like how the way he sees it Is the yo-yo comes down first Oh, that's right Because he was playing with yeah. that beforehand Wasn't he? In the projection it, it booth It did give me uh, Men in Black vibes though I wonder if that's where Men in Black got it from When does that happen in Men in Black? Uh, it's when I think it might be Jay Jay or someone goes to the visit the I think he might be the mortician guy Okay He goes to see someone And then he looks up and there's goo dripping, and it's because the guy's been like gooed up there from oh, the cockroach okay. man. Okay, that does sound familiar. Yeah, but yeah, that was cool because he's kind of like burned and dissolved into the ceiling, and you can just kind of see like his deformed face and various body parts and mm-hmm. the damn yo-yo. And what I really like is the next shot is the blob like oozing out of that little window, out over the wall into the crowd, and they're like fleeing their seats. Apparently, that's fairly similar to the original. Okay, and uh, they wanted to keep that faithful to the script because it was such an iconic scene back then so that was nice and this is where sort of meg comes in to save a brother and a brother's friend uh and they end up taking to the sewers and i couldn't help laughing when they try to escape out the back door at his hood of his jacket he gets (laughs) caught in the door and it's like oh my zip's stuck i can't get out it's like just fucking get out of the damn jacket like well no the zipper was playing up (laughs) They couldn't, the zipper was jammed. It was, I don't know if that was meant to be funny or whether <laughs> I, don't think so. I just found that very funny. Uh, yeah. It's like when she's on the tanker at the end with the M16 and her foot gets caught in the fucking yeah. hose. <laughs> anyway, uh, they take to the sewers and the ooze, the blob is uh, following around through there. And that reminded me of Aliens when Newt is in the water. Yeah. All right. Uh, another kind of nod, probably not deliberate, but uh, was this... This was, was Aliens 86? Well, I don't know exactly what, but it was definitely before 80, this. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it was another nod. Uh, and yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, that was, my, that was my audible full stop to that statement. I do like, though, how once they're in the sewer, they kill a fucking kid. Like gruesomely. Yeah. Like yeah. a kid is dissolving in the goo. Yeah. Any any horror movie that has the balls to kill a kid on screen mm. is good in my books. I mean, it wasn't the brother, so it was the expendable yeah. friend, but fair. Like, and also... What, is this maybe the first movie, like horror movie to like on screen kill a, chill, a child? Um, it's the first one I can think of, certainly. I guess unless you count like all the deaths... Except for Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. I know that's not kid. That's like that's a teenager, teenager, right? I'm talking literal child. Oh, like single digit, yeah, give or take. And uh, I do like when he jumps out of the water again. He kind of looks like fucking Jason at the <laughs> end of Friday, getting Alice on the canoe. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of cool. And uh, there's a point where sorry. maybe they did that like specifically on purpose because that's the kid that was like kind of obsessed with the horror movie that they were watching. Oh, yeah, true. Which was a Friday the 13th parody. So maybe Man. maybe they literally did that on purpose. This is getting meta. I think Chuck <laughs> drew a lot of inspo from Wes Craven when he did Nightmare 3. And I like when the blob comes out of the, the manhole to attack everyone after Brian like tells all the townsfolk what the sort of biohazard containment unit is actually doing. 
and there's kind of this standoff with guns pointing at each other and uh, it, it comes out of there and this dude like sacrifices himself by pulling the pins on these grenades and he like squashes him and you just see these dull like flashes mm. underneath it like firepower no longer does anything yeah. to this entity which was kind of cool and there's a moment where everyone's kind of fleeing inside somewhere I can't remember what the building is and they're like boarding up windows and running around and this cop gets like snapped in half backwards yeah it like this like tentacle like through the bookcase or something yeah right? like punches through the bookcase wraps around his waist and yeah pulls him through the hole and it's that was impressive that was a cool that's, kill that's kind of the only kill I like in like this part of the movie mm. I, yeah the final act's kind of weak on the kills yeah, apart from I, that I definitely liked it more when it was the blob like stalking people in the beginning of the movie mm. uh, I, pretty much as soon as it gets big I'm kind of out it's just squashing yeah, yeah. It, it does then turn fully into like the you know, old schlocky giant monster yeah, movie. Yeah, King Kong, Godzilla type movies. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they defeat it with the Snowmaster truck, which was a nice Chekhov's gun at the start of the film. Yeah. Where I, they keep the beers in the, yeah, in that the was, snow compartment. That was perfect. Yeah, that's what I mean. Little nods of humour throughout are really nice. They're not too on the nose uh, and they are there for a reason. And the truck explodes, right? And that turns the blob into these crystals that are everywhere. Yeah, because she explodes it. Yeah, and I kind of like that. Um, oh, there's a moment where she's up on there with the M16 and she's like, what did she say? Come on, is that the best you can do? I think so, yeah. And apparently that was Kevin Dillon's last line in Platoon. <laughs> okay. Uh, so who, who played Brian. I mean, yeah, so that's that's pretty matter as well. Yeah, yeah, so that was kind of cool. A lot of like Easter eggs for horror fans in this. I do love that uh, like it's got a strong female lead, like the, who yeah. becomes the hero. Like yeah, she's true. not a damsel in distress. This is definitely... Like, Wes Craven style. Mm. Yeah, that was cool. Remaining faithful. Then again, because this was originally a 50s film, I can't remember how that plot played out. Do you know, does Steve McQueen become the hero? I the think end? I think that's, yeah. Okay. I think he does. So that was another good twist that they did to keep relevant. You've got the defeat a monster and all these pretty crystals and it, everyone can kind of relax again. That, I will admit, does make the final scene with the priest and the piece of blob in the jar serve a purpose because it's like oh okay they think they've defeated it okay once the day breaks the next day it's going to come to life again and continue its rampage okay presumably uh, but does it need to you know could it couldn't they have just ended it a happy ending you know like jaws explode the monster <laughs> and it's and then it's happy sailing from there what if like that's how that final act ended and then the final scene of the film is like the next morning sunshine kind of comes over the town and beams onto these crystals and they start melting and then it cuts the credits. That would have been cool. Yeah. Like a final scare without being a jump scare. Yeah. I like. I would have liked that more. Except mm. maybe like, yeah, they collected all the main ones, but there's like, yeah, there's just somewhere. There's just some somewhere else. Mm. Just get rid of it. Exactly the same as it is, just without the fucking priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. You know, like this... There's still the crystals in the freezer, mm. but the freezer loses power and it defrosts. That's how I want it to happen. <laughs> Very good. I've got to say, just while we're sort of talking about Shawnee Smith, she has a like vehement performance by the time the final act comes around and mm. she becomes this strong character. Like she's screaming her lines and she's convincing. She doesn't have even has like moments in the film when she's crying and it's believable. Like I'd say of the very limited stuff I've seen her, this is my favorite performance of hers. I've only seen her in this and the Saw films, and this was way better. And she's <laughs> yeah. younger. Yeah, but that might just be her character in Saw is not that good. I uh, think. Uh, yeah, I, I will because say because her character is very like whiny and jealous. Mm. And in Saw three, you do see other sides to her, which is mm. is quite nice. 
But yeah, uh, as a whole, it had a really interesting camera technique throughout. I noticed a lot of the time shots would begin with like a close focus on something and then the camera moves to something in the foreground and will track a character for a bit before cutting to different angles. Like there was very few static shots in this, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, true. And uh, being a blob, it had no set shape, like whether it was tall, whether it was wide. So like it was, I think it was like 1.85 to one, like the ratio. So it wasn't like Panavision where there were lots of pans to fit the thing in frame or anything or a lot of like, it's just a lot of, yeah, just constant movement to try and track this gelatinous form. Yeah, I I wasn't uh, expecting this one to be too artistic, uh, too good looking, and it was fine. I think, you know, yeah. it, it did its job well, and yep. like it's it's a monster movie uh, that I would watch again. I think is is what I think of it. Mm, very good. I don't think it deserved to flop though when it came out. Yeah, I mean. From might be this, might be a product of its time, though. I was going to say, from doing this pod, if I've learned anything, is that a lot of the classics sucked when they first hit <laughs> screens, and then they hit like cult classic status. But I mean, as far as remakes go, this is probably my favorite horror remake, and I can't mm. say that really because I've not seen the original. <laughs> yeah, true. But even the fly. Oh, okay. Yeah, the fly. Yeah, because <laughs> I have seen the original fly. The fly, Cronenberg, and Jeff Goldblum, number one. Okay. And then I would say this. Okay. Without having seen yeah, the original. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, now, we posed a question in our Facebook group, Deadheads. Speaking of monster movies. Mm, we asked our most loyal listeners what their favorite is and why. Mm-hmm. And we got quite a few hits on this one. So, I'll go through them in order. We had Pace Say the Thing times 1,000. It, that caught me off guard because I don't, I don't think of that as a monster movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think of monster movie, I think like yeah, a sort of biggish monster mm. running around. Mm. Whereas that's more of a, you know, it plays on the the conspiracy, not the conspiracy. Well, kind of the conspiracy and like the distrust between people. Well, this was kind of a conspiracy theory film at its root as well. When you look yeah. at the government, thing. conspiracy was the wrong word. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> uh, but I agree, definitely. The Thing is a better movie than this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, and yeah, he said, uh, The Thing times 1,000. Uh, it's vital in my opinion and still holds up. Nothing worse than a PS2 era looking motherfucker <laughs> attacking people unconvincingly for 90 minutes. Awful stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, that's exactly what this movie looked like. <laughs> Thank you, Pace. <laughs> Thank you, Pace. Uh, we had Luke say Alien for sure. My okay, man. yep. Uh, Carrie said Monsters Inc. <laughs> that might be my favorite because you did not specify horror movie. You oh, said no. monster movie. That's so right. I think he's right. That is the best monster movie ever. I often quote at work over the headset, we got a 2319 uh, when someone pages a code. I often say, put that thing back where it came from. Also, help me. <laughs> put that thing back where it came from. Also, help me. Uh, Dave, our number one listener, said, not sure if it counts as a monster rather than a spirit. But Jeepers Creepers, man, that shit was full on. See, that, I can't comment on that because I've still yet to watch it. I, it's a complete blind spot for me. I think I've seen it once many years ago. And I do deem it a creature. It's like an amalgamation okay. of its victims. Okay. I, th- here are the things I know about that movie. Mm-hmm. It was made by a scumbag <laughs> and it's got Justin Long of Tusk fame. <laughs> That's, those, those are all That's the all two things I know. <laughs> One day I will watch it. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of been boycotted. You can't really get it anywhere or see it anywhere these yeah. days. Uh, Sean, our boy, said Cloverfield, which I found particularly interesting because, well, found footage, but also you barely see the the aliens. Yeah, but I think that just goes for how good a movie it is. Yeah. It's a monster because yeah. it is a big monster. It's what you don't show that is scarier. Hell yeah. Leave it up to our imagination. Uh, Samuel said Cabin in the Woods. My man. You'll be a fan. Yep. Oh, and by the way, yeah, Dylan doesn't like Cabin in the Woods. No, okay. So... <laughs> I can appreciate it. That's <laughs> it's not, not good my, enough. <laughs> it's not my kind of movie. It's, as far as horror comedies go, we'll say, I think there are better ones. But I will say it was original for being a movie that takes the piss out of horror cliches, mm-hmm. which I find kind of meta in itself. Okay. And uh, I've only seen it the once. I will rewatch it. I might have been because we were watching it on Halloween with friends. I didn't <laughs> pay full attention, but it's got, it, it has good merit. Uh, and lastly, Jess said, I'm going to go for Love and Monsters because the main star, Dylan O'Brien, is super hot. <laughs> that's a good reason as any. I've not watched that because that's the one... It's on Netflix, right? There's just these... Mm. So something has antlers, I think. Oh, That's okay. as much as I know about that movie. Yeah, sure. That kind of reminds me of antlers <laughs> oh, that awful that was, movie was, was that meant to be like a Wendigo kind of thing and the dude just yep. like slowly transforms into yep. this deer beast? Yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's our listeners varied. Choices of a favorite monster movie. A lot of aliens in there. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, it, it counts. It's a creature, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we did a, an episode on creature features and it was all about killer animals. So <laughs> it's up to interpretation. What would yours be? Uh, favorite monster movie? Mm. Horror movie specifically? <laughs> because otherwise it is Monsters, Inc. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, if we're accepting the thing, it's probably the thing, right? Or are we talking creature design as opposed to film as a whole? Because I was thinking about it based on creature design for my answer. Oh, okay. Well, do you have your answer? Because maybe you should say it. Don't laugh. Or do. <laughs> it's not science, is it? No. <laughs> the, fuck, the typical like green alien with the almond-shaped eyes. Well, they're grey, for starters. Uh, I think they're, they're fucking green, aren't they? They're green. Are you going to believe me who had science in his top five? Or... <laughs> Maybe they are great. I don't know. I'll How bad would it make you look? I that might will, just mean the scary movie three. That will be awful. Uh, I mean, grey aliens, right? That's mm-hmm. they called that for for a reason. Um, no, probably Van Helsing. Uh, I've said this before that, on the pod. I think we might be stretching what a monster movie is then, because I don't see that as a monster movie. Okay, the reason I thought of that was because like vampires and werewolves mm-hmm. and Frankenstein, the most classic <laughs> examples of monsters in film history you can think of. They're all in the one film, uh, and I think they all look sick. Okay, you know what? You, yeah, you've, you've. I'll allow that to be a monster movie. As, as cringe as some of the performances are and the accents in that film, I think the creature effects are, are pretty cool. If it's like monster movie based on how well it's made, totally the thing. Yeah. Okay. If we, yeah, if we want to accept uh, the thing as a monster movie, then I'll go with that. That's yours. Yeah. Very nice. Respectable. It might change one day. Who knows? <laughs> it might change when I just think of a different movie. Yeah. Fair. But there you go. The Blob. Yes, The Blob. Hope you enjoyed the, our, our rambling on this uh, this episode. We were worried it, uh, we wouldn't have enough to talk about because mm. it is such an old movie where there, I assumed there wasn't much to read into, but hell, we read into anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting too about seeing how they came up with the concept of it and how to keep it relevant for a film that was adapted 30 years later as well mm. and, and still making it like to a degree good. <laughs> Yeah, so that's all we have for this week. I hope you can catch us next week uh, when we drop our episode at 5 p.m. on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the meantime, you can catch us on social media at uh, Deadhouse or Deadhouse Pod. 
If you've got any questions, you can send us an email at dadhousepod at hotmail.com. Speaking of which, my father was telling me that he now has access to his emails from his phone. So we might see some stuff coming through from him. <laughs> that's God. the reason he hasn't engaged for so long, despite being an avid listener, is that he couldn't send or receive emails from his phone. Or he could receive but not send. Oh, very nice. And he's like, I, took a, I went into like an Optus shop or whatever, <laughs> Vodafone, whatever it was. I got it working. Expect some, some interaction. Looking forward to it. Uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> 